Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for the modern parent working in the modern world. Join us as we interview leading experts in their fields to unveil the secrets working parents need to succeed at work. Welcome to Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for people who want to succeed and thrive at work while they have kids. My name is Tom Spiggle, and the podcast is sponsored by the Spiggle Law Firm, where we empower women who have been wrongfully fired or afraid that they might be. And I am joined today by my co-host, Lori Mahalik-Levin, who is also an attorney and the founder of a uh, groundbreaking program called Mindful Return. Lori, I will let you describe that for folks. Thanks, Tom. Good to be with you here today for the podcast. And just a little about Mindful Return. It is a four-week online cohort-based program that helps new parents, both moms and dads, return to work after parental leave. And it's a program that about 50 employers offer to their employees to help them make a smoother transition back to work after a baby arrives. Excellent. And I will now let you uh, introduce our fine panel and we'll get started. Great. Today, we're delighted to have with us two lawyer dads, Justin Johnson and Kenny Kraft. Justin is the Senior Corporate Counsel of Rush University System for Health, Assistant Secretary to the Rush Board of Trustees, Assistant Professor in Rush University's College of Health Sciences, is an adjunct professor for Northwestern Pritzker School of Law, and serves as a director on the not-for-profit boards of Mentor Illinois and the Princeton Club of Chicago. Justin lives in the Chicago area where he is dad to an eight-month-old baby girl, and he lives with his wife, who's a speech-language pathologist with the Chicago Public Schools. Kenny Kraft is an attorney with the federal government in the Washington, D.C. area, where he lives with his wife, who recently left private practice to go in-house. So they've got the double lawyer thing going on there. And they've got three children, ages nine, six, and four. Welcome, Justin, and welcome, Kenny. As some of you who have listened already know, this is the other half of our conversation this month about parents who are lawyers. Uh, We've spoken with a couple of moms, and today we are here to talk to a couple of lawyer dads. So first, Kenny, I'd like you to kick it off for us. And if you could just tell us a little bit about your working parent story to get us oriented to you, we would really appreciate that. I guess for me and my wife, our working parent story is just a story of survival, doing what we have to do to just to keep going from day to day. The need to adapt is constantly you know, changing on a daily basis. And I think that you know we listened to the experts when we had our first baby, you know, and if we could follow the rules about co-sleeping, we would. If we couldn't, we didn't. And I think that's just set the tone for the rest of our parenting. You know, we just work together on a daily basis to get done what needs to get done. I think, you know, I don't know how many times we've told each other, you know, I don't know, I couldn't do this without you. You know, it, it really drove home the point that I needed a spouse or partner in this, you know, someone that I could really trust and depend on to really just make these decisions on a daily basis. Great. Thanks, Kenny. I hear you on the survival thing, definitely. And Justin, just a little bit about your working parent story. I get that it's a little bit more recent than Kenny's at this point, but uh, let us into your working parent life. (laughs) Thanks, Laurie. And thanks for leading us off, Kenny. I um, certainly, I am newer to this parent, working parent life that we are each in. You know, my daughter is just eight months old. So I'm truly learning with my wife. I guess we are both learning as we go. And my wife has gone back to work following her leave around when our daughter was five months old. So we're truly a two parent at work with our child in daycare working team now over the past three months and change. And it's never a dull moment. It's it's always exciting. It really, I think, gives each of us even further motivation to be the best that we can at our, quote, nine to fives so that we're looking out for the best of our little one and ensuring that she is put in the right position to succeed in her life. And we're just trying to do the best that we can. And like Kenny said, learning from all the more experienced parents that have been doing this and succeeding at this in their own right 
we're just trying to do the best we can and supporting each other in doing so. Great. All right. Thanks, guys. Let me start with you on this one, Kenny. What uh, attracted you to your current role or, or your becoming a lawyer? And when you were considering that career choice, did was parenting, was that something that was a consideration? I don't think I was thinking about parenthood when I joined the pre-law society in college, but I would say that I always expected someday to be a parent, but I wasn't thinking about that when I made the decision to go to law school, to focus on the healthcare space. You know, I think maybe I look at my career as a journey in stages, and certainly as I make decisions now about next steps in that journey, I do factor in the fact that I have three kids and that my wife has a career and we have to respect everybody in that decisions going forward. But I think in the beginning, I just wanted to be a lawyer, you know, went to school, got a first, got my first job um, at a big firm in DC. And after getting married, you know, that's when I started to think about kids. And I mean, this isn't related to parenthood, but it was at the law firm where I started to work in government and congressional investigations. And that got me interested in flipping into government. And so that's what I did. And as I traveled that journey, it's worked out really well because right as I joined government service, that's also when we had our first child. And, you know, at least eventually I made my way to a federal agency. At first I was on Capitol Hill, but at a federal agency, you know, I've got a lot of flexibility. I've got a lot of work-life balance that's valued by everybody. And so it's been really good in hindsight. And I certainly think about those, about the work-life balance that I need to bring to the family unit now. But in the beginning, I, you know, it wasn't so much of a concern. It just kind of grew organically. And that's, you know, it's, and in hindsight, it's worked out really well for me to be where I am today. Well, they say sometimes life is better lived backwards. So, you know, it sounds like you planned it out perfectly. <laughs> and it sounds like you had uh, wanted to be a lawyer from a young age. So picking the law was not something, you know, a parenthood probably didn't factor into that decision at all, it sounds like. Well, you know, like a lot of undergraduates, I have to admit, I started college in a pre-med program <laughs> <laughs> and quickly learned that. Going to be a profession one way or another. <laughs> so quickly learned that science wasn't my thing and my strength was in um, other areas. And so I've stayed in the healthcare space as a lawyer, but I have to admit, I started off wanting to be a doctor. <laughs> you and I share that history, although it took me until all the way after college that I realized that medicine was probably not a good choice for me. But which of that comment. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Turning to you, Justin, same question. What attracted you to the law in your current profession, current role? And did becoming a father factor into that along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would have to parrot a lot of what Kenny responded. Very similarly, I kind of fell into, if you will, the decision to become a lawyer. Back in undergrad, it wasn't until my junior year, I want to say, that I started feeling more comfortable with, you know, my placement there and having a, you know, a nice outlook on, hey, I'm going to get through this. It's difficult. It's different, but hey, I'll be fine. And I was feeling pretty good about myself until my grandmother asked me, what are you going to do with this? degree of yours once you graduate. And I was just thinking, Grandma, what is this? I'm in college now. I'm doing what needs to be done. Why are you asking me about the future state that I haven't put any time or thought into? And, you know, she challenged me. I started looking around and asking close friends and classmates. And it seemed like everyone had their decision set. Some wanted to be consultants, others not. Some were taking all the necessary classes to get themselves positions to go into those great careers. And I was just kind of taking classes that were interesting to me. At the time, I was a psychology major. <laughs> Lo and behold, I don't do psychology for a living, but I guess you could say it's somewhat applicable to the, to the law field. And I just didn't know what I was going to do with that. So I took her challenge and started thinking around, thinking about what it could potentially become, ended up wanting to being a paralegal for a couple years and just sorting out whether the law was something that maybe suited me. And this was not with any thought about 
a future beyond just being able to provide for myself. Ultimately, I got into law school, met the best friend of my now wife. And once we got serious and entered into marriage, we started thinking about family and having grown up in a loving and a family, I guess, in the back of my mind, that was always something down the line, but I wouldn't say my career choice or specifically transitioning from large law to now uh, the past five and a bit more years of being in-house with a healthcare system. I wouldn't say family really went into that decision, but I'm certainly glad that I happened into where I am now because it's a very supportive, family-oriented kind of environment in the healthcare space. Yeah, that's great. I was noticing on your resume that you were a special education teaching assistant back in the day. Was that just random or did you, I mean, obviously children were in your background. Did that affect That's a bit of the Justin special of not really knowing what I wanted to do with my future. And I had a gap year between when I ended my time as a paralegal. It was kind of a two-year take the LSAT, study, get into law schools, and then I was supposed to be going directly to law school. That was the plan, at least. It just so happened that the school I went to, they gave me the option of you know, going, taking a gap year, potentially getting a scholarship for waiting that extra year. And I said, that sounds fantastic. What am I going to do with my time and myself? And I reached out to my former principal and said, I've got a year. I want to help out. I loved school and working with kids. My mom is a special education teacher, K through five throughout my life and is still doing that to this day. So I always known that, you know, helping out the youth and helping teach them a all the great things I've learned was something that I valued. Also, I, the kicker of being able to be an assistant football coach sounded really fun. So I did that as well. And that's kind of how I landed there. So that was just a year before the real, I wouldn't even say the real, because that was real work in its own right and very rewarding, but very taxing. The law career could begin after law school and getting that all sorted. Well, that's great. That's a, a great path to travel. All right, Lori, I will turn it back over to you. Great. Thanks, Tom. So I'm going to ask you guys to first zoom out and tell me sort of on a macro perspective, if you had to generalize, how would you describe what it's like to be a dad in the legal industry these days? And then maybe zoom in and see and tell us a little bit about what it's like for you to be a dad as a lawyer these days as well. And maybe we'll stick with you, Justin, just to kick off this question. All right. Sounds good, Lori. From a macro perspective, what is it like to be a dad in the legal field? I would say since I've made the adjustment most recently and I'm still going through it, it's probably two answers. One for my current job and how it's respected and supported by not only my boss, the general counsel, but also just kind of throughout the organization. So many people here have families, support their families, are come from two-parent working households. And being a lawyer isn't that dissimilar from my strictly business colleagues or the clinicians or teachers and researchers. So there's a lot of understanding there that, yes, there is a lot of work to be done. We're trying to do a lot of pretty great and innovative things here. So um, while it might not get done during the typical, quote, nine to five working hours at other places, so long as you can balance that, you know, go pick up the kids, spend time with your child, put them to bed, you might be hopping back online to get that done. And I don't think that's too dissimilar from the my time at the law firm and working with those individuals 
in the law firm who had families as well. I think it's just there's less of a fundamental understanding or it's probably the wrong way of looking at it, but respect for that familial importance in the for-profit legal world. It's more about billing of the hours, generating revenue, and maybe family is more of an afterthought. If you can do that and, whereas here it is and it's treated as a part of the holistic system, we can get the work done, but also raising your family and keeping them healthy and you know, being a responsible person in throughout the community and keeping it healthy is all part of the full circle of things here. Great. Yeah, it sounds like you have a good context for raising kids and having the job. Um, and I can totally relate to the split shift concept of stopping work around 4.30 or 5 to go get the kids, stopping and then logging back on after they go to sleep. I think without that strategy, I don't know how I would have made it over the past couple of years. Kenny, let's turn to you. Can you take a macro perspective and then a micro perspective on what it is to be a dad in law these days? Sure. I can try with the macro first. It's As I was listening to Justin, I was just thinking, you know, what can I say on this? I think it might be more anecdotal. I think that in a lot of ways, kids have made my life very focused and maybe even narrow. And for me to accomplish everything I need to do at work and at home on a daily basis, I it is not something I normally do to take a step back and have a broader perspective on the legal industry. But, you know, I can say that about 10 years ago when I was at a firm, uh, you know, one of my colleagues had a baby and, you know, he was planning to take a month of paternity leave. And I remember thinking or hearing like, wow, that's a brave thing to do, you know, and I, I get the sense that it's not the same anymore. You know, anecdotally, you know, I, my friends at, at a law firm, you know, I hear them, they'll talk about, you know, the, like Justin said, the billable hour demands and the clients need to, you know, they need a response and it has to happen right then and over the weekend. And, you know, there's a lot of travel in, in law firm life too. And so just from my friends in the field, you know, I think initially it was very hard to get home when the baby or second baby first came. And then I think that they figured it out and they worked with their management or their partners or or their clients to just make themselves available from home more often so that the work can get done, but maybe on a more flexible time or, or workplace location. So, you know, that's anecdotally from what I know of law firm life anymore, because at this point I'm focused on my government career and a lot of my friends, frankly, and, you know, parents, you know, colleagues that are parents, they're in government too. And so their working life is a lot like mine. And so I'll zoom into what it's like to be a dad, at least my experience in government service. It's been good. I have to say it's been really good. You know, I also work in an office that from the chief counsel on down, everyone seems to have small children. Everyone seems to understand what those demands are like. No one says a thing if I need to take off to, you know, go to my son's play in a couple of weeks or his recorder concert this week. You know, it's something that I never take for granted, that I have that flexibility to make every single event almost that I want to for my kids um, that's happening at school. It allows me, I'm the PTA vice president and going to be the PTA president next year. You know, I've got that time even after hours to give to my kids' lives because, you know, not only is it flexible for working from home or taking off, but it's also really and truly pretty close to a nine to five type job. Certainly, I'm a lawyer, and when there's a court deadline, you know, other things come up, and you have to meet those obligations, of course. But generally, it's a nine to five type atmosphere. And when I'm home, I'm able to devote my time and energy, what's left, to my kids. So that's been good to have that flexibility, to have the ability to telecommute. You know, I was in the office this morning, and then I came home to record this podcast because. It's quieter at home and I can run laundry, which is happening in the basement right now because I can't come home and telecommute and not cycle laundry in a house of five people. And I can let my kids come home on the bus, which they love to do. And I've already got a play date scheduled for them. So that has been invaluable for me, at least at this stage of my kids' lives. I never take it for granted when I walk out the door at five o'clock and the sun is still shining. I don't take that for granted, you know, and little things too, like I don't have to travel like my friends and a law firm or, or maybe another type of professional career, 
if I travel, I generally schedule it myself and I schedule it for when it works for me and my wife. I check with her. I'm like, are you going to be in town April 24th? Because I need to be out of town and we'll work it out. And if it doesn't work out, you know, the benefit of being the government is I can schedule that visit for another time or I can push a deadline. If it's not a court deadline, I can push a deadline that I've set because the government has that flexibility. You know, I try not to abuse any of these benefits to my job, but they are benefits I don't take for granted. And they really allow us as a family to operate. My wife doesn't take this for granted either. When she was, she recently left law firm life, but when she was at law firm life, you know, the family schedule pivoted around my schedule because I was the one with the predictable nine to five job and flexibility to stay home with a kid if it was sick or take my daughter to, you know, uh, the doctor during the day. I can do that when there's a snow day. So my wife and I would always say like, we need at least one of us to have a predictable schedule to do pick up and drop off. And now she's left law firm life. She has a more nine to five job in-house, um, which has been good for us too. But that also gives more opportunity for me to maybe consider other opportunities within my current job. I'm considering a new assignment, a temporary assignment that might have longer hours, but I can consider it because now we've got her schedule that's predictable and we can maybe pivot around her. But it's a constant conversation and um, it's a constant sort of balancing act, but together we're able to do it so far. Sounds like you're navigating the dance of all of this quite well. And, you know, it's really helpful to hear the specific details of the laundry and the recorder concert. And I think it helps really make things concrete for how this working parent puzzle actually plays out. I think you also hit upon a really important point around how important it is to have that supportive environment where people who you're working with and those who are supervising you really get it from a first-person perspective of what it's like to live this life and how that's something not to take for granted as well. So I hear you on all of that. Thank you, Kenny. So back over to you, Tom. Great, thanks. Now, you know, I think the legal profession sometimes, rightly so, gets a knock for being a very family-friendly. You know, a lot in a lot of respects, depending on the job, it really can be. If you've got, you know, a legal job that gives you, and, and many of us do these days, that gives you that flexibility, like you said, to pop home and do some laundry if you need, you know, because if you've got, you know, and there are certain ones you got a lot of travel. If you're a litigator, that is a bigger difference. But if you've got a laptop and a Wi-Fi, you know, even a phone, sometimes you can work from a lot of different places. And that really is a, you know, I know folks in sales who've got to be on the road and they've got to have a certain number of contacts. And it's going to be very difficult in those kinds of jobs to, you know, that pick up the kids or to do the things you need to do. And so, you know, I can be thankful for, for that flexibility. Okay, Justin, I'm going to put you back on the hot seat and ask you, when you were a new father coming back, you know, coming back into the workplace, were there any workplace supports or things that you found particularly effective? Um, yeah, I think I'm still kind of going through that right now, but some of the things that are extremely effective is like... Kenny was saying in that you and Lori have kind of also vocalized the that being able to be in an environment where other individuals have families as well and are supportive of you. If you do need to pop out, pop in that understanding, just giving you comfort in that they know and can appreciate some of the things you have to do as a parent, whereas that first week <laughs> that we just, that my wife went back to work and our daughter started daycare, I feel like we, it started with the sniffles and by the end of the week, I'm not quite sure if we've made it <laughs> all the way through five days because by Friday, certainly all three of us were in the house with some ailment that came from either us going back into the working world or our daughter's introduction into the lovely world of daycare and germs out of just the previous five month comfort of being home with her mom and for a decent amount her dad. And that me being able to be home, whether it was us just taking off because of our ailments, being home for a little paternity leave and helping out support my wife and, you know, the growth of our daughter in those first 
initial months was invaluable and having the ability with technology to really leverage the fact that so much, if not at least 90% of what I do as a strictly transactional attorney can be handled via phone calls, online, through emails, text even, web calls, whatever. And you don't necessarily need to be in the office at all times, nor does the work have to be done necessarily by a certain schedule. Sure, at times, deadlines have to be met. And coming from large law, being a lawyer in general, that's an understanding that I have and I try to always follow. But having a daughter now and being more mindful of the fact that, or having more perspective, thinking back to a comment Lori made, having just a more full perspective on the truly important aspects of life and having work support those aspects, whether it be through the daycare that is affiliated with Rush, Lawrence Armour Day School, that flexible ability to work from home, do the errands that Kenny was speaking about, whether it be laundry, picking up, you know, groceries, getting cars fixed, or letting Comcast in fix the cable. You know, just having that flexibility and that support is really what's kept me remotely sane and getting done the things that have been done over these months and will hopefully get done in the future. It's okay. It's great. Yeah, you know, when Comcast gives you that, we'll be there between 10 and 4 <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, it's nice to say, okay. I can, I can make that work. I got my laptop. I'll work from home. It is true. <laughs> but not when the Comcast is your internet out. <laughs> yeah, then you're in trouble, right? <laughs> then you're in trouble. Then you're in trouble. Hopefully there's a coffee shop nearby with Wi-Fi that you can peep out the window and see when Comcast is actually going to come by. But, you know, do what you got to do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Well, as a follow-on to that, and as you are going through it now, you know, uh, being a father of young children at work, were there any workplace changes that you thought you were going to need but did not? Hmm, that's another good question. Workplace changes I thought I would need but actually did not. You know what? I think I was just so naive to the fact even having, you know, my youngest sister did it and is doing it just prior to myself. She's an educator, but you know, still working mom, my brother-in-law, her husband working as, as well. My middle sister with her two kids is constantly working and supporting them while continuing her own education. So that along with my two parents, both being dedicated working individuals and, you know, raising all of us, I thought it was kind of probably a lot easier than is it currently is from a, you know, tiredness, not feeling like you have enough time either at home or at work, kind of feeling one foot in the swimming pool in both instances. I guess I didn't know what truly to expect. So I can't say that I expected there'd be more assistance or different assistance. I think I've just been more presently surprised with the assistance that and support that I have gotten, whether it be through understanding others, stepping up and lending a hand and the fact that others, while I might be the newest to it in our office, my colleagues have children as well. They know exactly how it feels to be as scatterbrained as I am at times. You guys are lucky I I checked my calendar and made the podcast and didn't like switch the days or months completely because I can't say that that hasn't happened with other obligations. But uh, just being supportive and having all that, that support system both at work and home and home extended has been a pleasant surprise. I didn't really expect it, but I wouldn't say I'm, it's been lacking in any sense at work or at home. Would you, and it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you've got a you know very supportive environment, which is great. 
you know, is there anything, you know, looking forward for, you know, fathers coming up behind you that would be in place you think would make things even better for them? Yeah, I think if there was, while uh, for me, having the boss that I do have and the colleagues that I have as well, that understanding is there and that ability for flexibility. But I think if it was a more concrete approach that was just a policy that there is paternity leave, you get such and such amount of weeks or months. I remember during my time back to the law firm, I believe they did have something like that. Maternity leave, obviously, but I think they also did have paternity leave. And while because of what we talked about previously and the billable hour and just kind of the beast that is that large law experience, it wasn't as utilized as probably it should have been. But the fact that even in the healthcare setting, that true paternity leave expectation isn't necessarily codified in policies or just general expectations. For others, I would hope that if we were to get to a place that it was just uniform, everyone gets this time, take it, use it, your employment is going to be here, and it just becomes practice. For those that aren't in as supportive a situation as I am, they will have the support of the internal laws, if you will, the policies stating that you can do this and the organization will take care of you and it's expected and you shouldn't feel wrong or or bad about taking this time because we're giving it to you. So I think that would help. I think that's an excellent point. Let's put it in writing. And, you know, there's been a number of studies done talking about the the unused resources, particularly by men, because they feel like even if it's there, they don't feel really at liberty to take it. And I think it's important for employers, as you point out, to, you know, make sure that those are clear and that people know they are real, but they won't be penalized for using the parental leave. All right. Thanks, Justin. Well, I will turn it over to you, Kenny, now. And same set of questions as you were, you know, new father coming into the workplace. What did you, workplace supports, did you find particularly helpful uh, when you were becoming a working parent? Sure. Thanks, Tom. If I could, I just want to go back to a question that we answered earlier, and then I'll definitely answer your question if that's okay. Of course. You know, earlier, Lori was asking me about what it's like to be a dad in my particular office environment. And I talked about being a government attorney and how, how great that's been for me. But I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, plenty of other people are not government attorneys. And I wanted to just say that, you know, there are some limitations as a government attorney, even though I get this flexibility with telecommuting or time off, you know, there is there are limits, right? The government awards so much leave and no more. And there are times during which I can do work from home and times during which I can't. And and that's different in the, that's the positive side of a billable hour career where you can get the work done wherever you are. Um, so there's a certain level of freedom that I do miss about the billable hour. For me, on balance, I prefer to not have the billable hour. But I just wanted to say that you know, there are limitations and it's not just the life, you know, a government attorney's life is not the only way to do it. It's just been the way that I've done it. Obviously, compensation is different and that can also open up, expand or limit your options. So I just wanted to say that this is, I was speaking of my experience, but I know that other people make it work because like Jurassic Park, you know, life will find a way, you know, like if you have to do it, you will do it. And so just be creative. Um, So I just wanted to follow up on that other question. And then You've asked, Tom, what workplace supports did I expect to find in government or in my legal career? What did you find particularly helpful when you were coming you know, coming back to work as a new father? Well, so our first child was born right after I joined the government, and I didn't have any leave to use. I had not been in the office long enough, according to the office policy, to take any leave, to, to qualify for the paternity leave at the time. And I had no sick leave or vacation days saved up. So, you know, my office at the time, I was on Capitol Hill and, you know, my boss was a senator from Arkansas and, you know, she was very understanding of family work-life balance and uh, the chief of staff also understanding. And, you know, they were able to give me some time off. But 
you know, it was similar when our second child was born. I had just started in my federal agency and I similarly had no leave to use. And so I think I had to negotiate some advanced leave. But really at that point, between me and my wife, we discovered that for us, it was better for me to stay at work and get more leave and use it when she went back to work. And so, so really that's what we did. And so when her maternity leave ended, I think I took for our second child, I think I took a weekend. <laughs> I think I took a long weekend off um, and that was my leave. And then I had a little bit of time when she went back to work to help with the daycare transition, but not a lot really. And when our third child came, I didn't take any time off. <laughs> I think she was born on a Thursday. I took Friday off and started back to work on Monday. But for my wife and me, that's just what we discovered that she didn't need me at home. She needed me running the other two kids to and from their daycare. She had it under control. Fewer people in the house was better for her. And at that point too, she found that she was able to do a little work during nap time because she was more comfortable with the baby thing. But so when I came back to work, it was almost like I had never left work. I took very short leave, very little time off. And, you know, what I found useful to me was that nine to five government schedule, you know, because I really did need to leave at a certain time to pick two boys up from daycare. I really did have to stay home if somebody got sick or there was a snow day. I really had no choice. And thankfully, my office I was very understanding because so many other people had small children. So many other people had the same situation. And that's the trade-off in government, right? Compensation may be different, but I've got the work-life flexibility for things like that. So that was incredibly um, helpful for me um, and still is. Yeah, they could hear the collective parental scream when there was a delay or uh, another snow day. I will say, though, you know, I grew up in Arkansas and I still love snow days. I know it wreaks havoc on schedules, but I can't deny that I love playing in the snow as much as my kids. <laughs> awesome. I'm sending my kids to you the next time there's a snow day. That's great. Well, let me, the, the other following question, some of this kind of dovetails with what you just talked about, but were there any, uh, you know, and I know it can be more limited in the government in terms of workplace support, but were there any supports that were available that, or that you thought you would need that you just didn't? I remember when I was at a law firm, seeing information about a benefit of like a day of nanny service. And I guess I always wondered, gosh, what will happen if, in case of a snow day, or what will happen if I've got a meeting that I just can't change. And so I thought maybe we would always need that because we live in an area far from our grandparent support. You know, there's no other family around us. And maybe when I, you know, maybe I previously would have thought I would have had it had some grandparent support. And the, so maybe a nanny service like that would be helpful. But really, I can only think of one time when I absolutely had to work during a snow day. And I was able to find a college babysitter who was also on a snow day to take over. So I can't think of anything that I expect it to be there that's not there. But it would be so nice to have grandparents for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. That would job benefit, right? We could, uh, you know, uh, your grandparents come with you. That'd be nice because we don't have that either. My wife and I, our grandparents are too far away for uh, to pop over like that. That is a big benefit. Well, let me ask you for for people coming up behind you, in government service, are there, can you think of workplace changes, and some of these you've talked about, but any additional workplace changes that you think need to be made to help working dads? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that there are plenty of workspaces that don't allow telecommuting. And I think that to the extent that's possible, workplaces need to consider that and make it more flexible, maybe not limited to certain times. Or I think that's important from the workplace perspective. But I think I'll probably say a, a couple of cliches here, but I, I really think that for the dad that wants to see change, I think he should be that change. You know, I think that, you know, dads should talk about whatever challenges they're having. You know, I think that they should voice those concerns so that it's not just the moms at work talking about it, but that you got the dads talking about it. You've doubled the number of people talking about what kind of changes that they need. So I, you know, cliche number one, I think you should be that change. I think you should get involved. You know, I think that it's not typical for people to think of a dad as a PTA president, but I'm doing it, you know, and I just think that, you know, I stay home when kids are sick and people tell me how great I am, but they don't say that to my wife, you know, like, I don't think I get credit for doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, you got a kid at home that's sick, you know, one of you has to stay home. I just think that the more of us who are talking about these things, this balancing act that 
just in the starting and that, you know, I'm still smack in the middle of that's constantly changing. I just think the more of us at work talking about it, I think the culture is already different at my office and it sounds like at Justin's office, but it's not true that it's different at other offices. And I just think that the more of us talking about it, the more likely change will happen. And I think that's a good thing. It may have been a very loud amen, but I was on mute. <laughs> That's great. I think uh, I can hear some silent fist pumping by Lori over there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it back over to her because I think you're singing her song. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I was sending a high five your way as well. I, that's a great points, Kenny. Um, speaking out and representing the guys to help support the moms and support ourselves and being that change agent is so very important. And, you know, discussions like this and this podcast are, are hopefully helps move the needle as well. I mean, the very fact that credit to you, each of you for, you know, setting this up and identifying that there might be issues here, that having people discuss them could get everyone to a better place. And just having that dialogue, I agree, Kenny, is just so important. Great. We're so grateful to the both of you for having this conversation. I wanted to just loop back on a couple of small points, and then we can dive into our next question. First of all, although you know I emphasized earlier how important it is to have supportive environments and managers who understand, we shouldn't have to rely on having a kind or empathetic boss. I wanted to just reiterate your point, Justin, about the importance of policies around all of this so that sort of no matter what your department or division is or who is managing you, that you still have the same rights to the flexibility or parental leave or whatever it is as anyone in the organization. So just wanted to emphasize that. And the other thing that I wanted to loop back on was how much I can relate to the sick days and snow days. And my husband and I used to joke every night that we went to bed you know, not knowing if we were going to be able to go to work the following day. And it is really a complicated dance that first year or two when the germs are very rampant and the unexpected really rules your life in that in that phase. For me, the backup care benefit that my law firm has provided has been fantastic and really helpful, sort of that day of nanny concept to allowing me to continue to do what I'm doing. So I'm a huge advocate of that. And sort of the last point I wanted to jump in with was this idea of, you know, as you jump in to be the leader of the change, I also wanted to put a plug in for working parent groups at various offices. And, you know, I've been involved in founding two of them, one of which we founded with, you know, a mom co-chair and a dad co-chair. And it really gives everybody an opportunity to talk about these issues at work. So, you know, to the extent anyone listening to this is involved with one of those groups or wants to get one started, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I have a, a Google group of leaders of these groups going, and it's been a great way to continue the dialogue. But back to our guests and the the next question here, Justin, I'll turn to you and say, or ask rather, what changes do you think are happening in the legal industry that are affecting working parents these days? I think the changes affecting the legal industry are, they've been kind of going now for quite a while, but that doesn't mean they've slowed down and they aren't going to keep evolving. And I think that has to do with while technology is absolutely great and on the one end, that being able to telecommute, work from home, being flexible that you can essentially answer the client instantaneously, whether without having to have a meeting, without having to hop on a call, whether it be through email, text, what have you, you can pretty much research and if necessary, and answer and advise on a whim. But that certainly opens you as the attorney in the, the legal profession up to being at the beck and call of any given client 24-7. So that very access and ability to respond, I think, is, has just grown with technology and I don't necessarily see an end in sight unless one is purposely put in place kind of along the concept of your the policies. <laughs> but I you know, I'm not sure that would work as far as being able to rep that out to 
all the various disciplines and industries, but just in understanding that while, yes, access is there, if every one client has just a simple question at a different time in the day, the poor lawyer is working all 24 hours of that day. So I think that change, being having that access and the use of technology has been both a gift and a curse, unfortunately, to the legal profession, because with the technology, you can just do so much more than I think our predecessors. You can research far more issues in a given day than you could prior to all of this great technology. But then you're going to be asked to <laughs> research and respond to so many more. Um, yeah. That's such a great point. I think each of us feels that very acutely, definitely. And for me, it's really been about the ability to draw boundaries around that digital time and draw boundaries around family time and having the expectation set that I will not be available for, you know, whatever two or three hours of my evening. And that can be challenging too. Um, I'd also just put a quick plug in for Cal Newport's new book called Digital Minimalism, which I think is sort of a rallying cry around you know, if we've gone too far in the other extreme of being constantly connected, what bad things is that doing to us? And how can we pull back a little bit? So wait, Lori, are you saying you have time to read outside of work that aren't children's books? You're gonna have to explain this concept to me. I am making that claim. Yes, it is called using my computer ah. for myself. And it is something that I do on the Metro every morning. I read something that I personally want to read. So see, I have so many things to learn. <laughs> you got to reclaim some of that time. Awesome. Kenny, let's flip over to you. What changes do you think are happening in the legal industry that have a particular impact on working parents? I mean, I guess I'm a one trick pony. I'm going to talk about telecommuting again. I mean, for instance, I'm in government right now and uh, the, you know, there are certain agencies that are severely restricting or eliminating altogether the telecommuting um, that a lot of people have come to depend on and um, that a lot of offices are built around. So I think to the extent that offices are looking at their, in contrast, my office has recently expanded its telecommuting policy. So I think that that is something that is changing. I hope that most offices, most companies that can offer that are considering that offering expanded or, or at least initiating telecommuting and not restricting or eliminating it. I think that's good for so many reasons. But, you know, this is not specific to the legal industry, but something affecting all working parents is certainly the cost of daycare or childcare. And so, you know, I don't know who to complain to about that, but I know that it's on the mind of every single working parent in the D.C. area where I live. It's extremely high. It's hard to find a daycare, especially for a newborn and it's, it's also very hard to find, you know, someone after school, once your kids are in elementary school, to find someone to take care of your kids, either in an extended day program or at home. So I think that even though that's not specific to the legal community, I think that every working lawyer family, I think that that's on their minds mm. as well. And in some ways, telecommuting can help if there's a flexible telecommuting policy, but it can't solve everything. And I think that's a broader issue for for policymakers to consider in the future, the cost and availability of childcare. You get another big amen from over here. Also, just to Kenny's point about the expensive nature of childcare and really in the United States, there being a crisis of affordable childcare, I wanted to note that it's worth looking into the resources that Bridget Schulte and her team have published over at the Better Life Lab, which is part of New America Foundation. Better Life Lab focuses on issues related to working parents and how work and life can fit together better. And they've done some extensive research specifically on the question of the affordability of childcare and what might do about it in this country. So I'm going to pass it back to Tom now for our final set of questions for our wonderful guest today. Yes, great. Thanks. You know, and I can remember speaking calls to childcare with our first when our, my wife was pregnant, visiting daycares in DC and her standing outside on the, on the um, sidewalk weeping when we found out when we after we walked out when you know, they told us what the wait list was in addition to how much it costs so it is no joke it's a stressful part of being a new parent so 
That's why we turned the raising of our other three over to our oldest because it saved us a lot of cost on daycare. <laughs> I hope there weren't any quality issues either. Oh, right. Oh, there are many of them, but I didn't care by that point. <laughs> I, I wish you were that useful. Anyway, okay. Under our final question here, and we will start with you, Justin. And that is, I'm going to make it a three-part year. So the first part is, what is your number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent? And the other two parts are, what is the best book you would recommend? And what is the one piece of technology, if you had to, you would recommend? The one thing that I would say overarching as far as advice I would give to a new father going back into the working world would be to one, I guess it's two things. One, trust yourself, but more importantly, trust, listen to, and work with your partner. Because if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where you're with your partner and you're going to be raising your child together, truly do that. Raise the child together. Each individual likely has their own aspirations from a work perspective, but being supportive of one another. And like Kenny spoke about at the onset of this discussion, the being able to support each other throughout the growth of each of your careers is so important and vital and can only be done if you trust one another, are open with one another and respect the value that each one of you brings to the table, to your familial table. And you can only do that with open discussions. You're both going to be exhausted, beyond belief, confused, regardless of how great your support system is. And mine is phenomenal, whether it be family or coworkers. They've both groups have been there, but you're still going to need to learn it yourself and to do so with your partner trusting each other is the only way you're really going to get through it. I think this to answer your second question, kind of, I'll say tongue in cheekly, because I certainly haven't figured out or navigated Lori's ability to read all these great books and novels or guides through to support being a working parent, but I will make a plug to my favorite baby book <laughs> that I read to my daughter probably far too often as I already have it memorized inside and out. And that's Like Myself. And it's really a, a cute little book that I think is perfect if you have a young daughter to be, to really start learning and growing and re to respecting her individual and unique self and really fostering the importance of that. So I do love that book and I won't bore you with a recitement verbatim <laughs> of that one. <laughs> and the technology piece that I would recommend and swear by is, you know, if you do have that ability, as Kenny has spoken about to be able to telecommute, having that trusty laptop and a extremely solid Wi-Fi connection, being able to, from a work perspective, if you have a virtual desktop, uh, we kind of refer to it as a VDI, so that whether you're on your device at home or sitting at an actual device in the workplace, everything is housed up in the cloud. And you can basically access that seamlessly wherever you are. So while you might want to be in the office on a given day, you don't necessarily have to be. And neither you, your colleagues, or the client should be concerned or even aware as long as the work is getting done and it can through the use of a trustworthy Wi-Fi connection, VDI device, and computer and ability to telecommute or work remotely. It can all be done and it really saves a lot of time, frustration, and gives you a bit more time to be closer and at home with those that you do truly love. 
So I think it's that's what I would recommend. That's what I value. That's great. All right. Thanks so much, Justin. All right, Kenny, bring it home for us. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for giving me the home stretch. So number one piece of advice that I would give new parents or that I would tell myself if I could go back 10 years would be to not sacrifice the self-care that you need. I think I did that each time we had a child. I think with a newborn, I think that it's about going back to my first response. It's about surviving. And maybe you just can't do it right now when you've got an eight month at home, right, Justin? Maybe it doesn't happen. But I think that if nothing else, you can, you know, for me, it was coffee in a shower. If nothing else, I am going to, you know, take a shower and I'm going to have coffee and I'm going to be okay today. But, you know, in time, I've been able to work in a consistent exercise routine. It means I have to get up at five in the morning, which I would have thought was crazy, you know, 10 years ago, but I make it happen and it helps me to just be taking care of myself. And if you can do it, and we didn't do it for the first eight years, but the last year or two of parenthood, we've been able to hire a cleaning crew that comes once a week. And we have someone that cooks some meals for us twice a week. And that's for us been invaluable. And it gives us back our weekends with our kids because before we were spending, you know, Friday night doing laundry and cleaning bathtubs and Saturdays was yard work or groceries and, you know, and just the whole weekend was gone. So, but if nothing else, I think coffee and a shower and sleep, but sleep's the one that goes we're separate. Um, Are we doing the doubling up the coffee in the shower, which, you know, I'm opposed to. Right. I mean, you know, multitasking is part of it. So if you can figure that one out, more power to you. I'm still a bit confused, Kenny. Now, I know I'm learning a lot on this podcast, but you mentioned something of a exercise, a gym, maybe? Am I? What is this concept? I think I used to go there, I want to say maybe eight months, maybe 10 months ago, but I don't, do those still exist? <laughs> well, I didn't say gym because I don't have the time or the money to spend on a gym. If I travel to and from a gym, that's, I've lost the time. I have to get up at five and it has to be 30 to 40 minutes. And so I do it. I do it in front of the TV. I do a video series. I do pushups through the day. I find it here and there. I work it in. But to and from a gym is already too much time. I can't do it. So, you know, I find it all I need is gravity and about, you know, six by six space of floor. That's uh, kind of all I need. You get creative, Justin. You do what you can. It's about surviving. So I am taking copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was advice number one is take care of yourself. If not now, do it when you can, but, you know, make it a priority. And that includes date nights. Actually, my doctor asks if we're taking date nights, how many date nights are we getting? You know, it's not self-care is not just about you. It's about you and your spouse because it's the two of you getting through this together. And if one of you gets broken down, you know, the wheels off and this whole thing grinds to a halt. So I say self-care, you know, and, and I include my spouse in that. Um, it's something we have to do and we do it together. Uh, number two, best book. So... I am reading a book. I will admit that I've been reading this book for a little while and I still haven't finished it. But right now I'm reading The Self-Driven Child by William Sticksred and Ned Johnson. And this is an indication of where I am with my kids are getting older than Justin. So I'm not reading the baby books. I'm, I'm reading about how do I motivate my kids to be their own people and succeed and, you know, wondering if I held them too much as infants because they don't want to go and do things by themselves. So I'm trying to learn, you know, how to parent elementary school children so that they are, you know, on the path to success without any helicopter parenting on my part. So, so that's a book I'm reading now. And then the piece of technology, you know, I want to say none. I want to say that I'm trying to strip technology out of my life with my kids as much as possible. But it's true, you know, that the Wi-Fi, the laptops, the phones, they keep us connected to the workspace and that allows us to be flexible in where we work and when we work. So I, at least what we're trying to do is really limit the time that we spend on our phone in front of our kids so that they're not learning to be distracted. Like when we're home, we're trying to stay, you know, in it together, present with each other. And that's a constant struggle. That is not something we have achieved. That is a goal that I have, you know, no phones at the table, you know, leave them over there to charge. It's a difficult balance. 
to find because work is on your phone and sometimes you have to respond. I will sometimes go away to another room where children cannot see me typing out a work email so that they don't always associate. But it's a struggle and our kids are digital natives. They need to be digital natives. They, we cannot take this away from them. But navigating it is something that I'm struggling with. I think that's going to be with us for the rest of my parenting life. But, you know, technology is a curse and a blessing, and I treat it that way at home. (laughs) No, I think that's absolutely right. Well, I thank both of you for joining us on the podcast. Lori, do you want to say a few words about what's coming up next for us? Great. Well, thank you so much, Kenny and Justin, for joining us. This is a really wonderful conversation. And it sounds like maybe you two can, you know, take this offline too and mentor each other (laughs) along the way. But I did want to tell everybody that we've got next month coming up, we've got some great guests who are HR professionals. We've got moms and dads in the HR space. And I'm anxious and curious to see what we'll learn from them about working parenthood there and what we can learn and cross pollinate across industries. So thanks again for joining us. Well, until next time. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Parents at Work podcast. Are you interested in learning more about our show, our hosts, or today's guest? Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with the Parents at Work community? Then contact us at www.spigglelaw.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time.